heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. See, here's the thing about the Twitter files and Elon Musk and what he's doing over there at Twitter is, you know, he's got everybody running around to capture these files. And every time he releases more things, the reporters get out there and a lot of people, they jump right on the files to prove what is already provable. I mean, it's already there. It's already factual. I mean, everybody knows what transpired here, both the left and the right in our country. So I look at this as more of an amusement. Who are we trying to prove what we're trying to prove? Who, who are we? Are we trying to convince those on the other side to look our way and say, hey, look over here. This was wrong all along. And Elon Musk is a hero for unveiling what, you know, what, he, what he's uh, putting out there in the light of day. The fact that people are being censored and shadow banned. People have been thrown off. The fact that they supported the DNC. Uh, agenda, the fact that they wanted Trump out of the all the things that we already know. So here's the point. Why we're all running around and most people are trying, hey, look, look, here's another one. Here's another one. I told you that was the case. And see, that's what happens is we get distracted uh, from the biggest story. The And the biggest story is significant, but they keep most folks tied up trying to prove the evidence that is already out there in the light of day. But yet, look, 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 this is this is really true. But, but who are we really trying to convince? Are we trying to convince ourselves? Are we trying to convince the rest of the people in our circle? Are we trying to convince the people on the other side? Or do we think potentially that some of those people might say in the, in the media world, you know, like, or some of these... Uh, uh, personalities, you know, like, oh, well, you know, yeah, yeah, we, we really see it this time. Man, you, you know, we, we were, uh, we, we were so wrong. We were so wrong. Man, you're, you're right. Yeah. Oh, this was, this, this was really a shitstorm then. You're correct. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Now I see Elon Musk is a hero. Huh? I wonder if that's what people are expecting or so who, what are they trying to prove? Who I keep hearing the stories, even on our own platform, the shows and the articles and the op-eds on, you know, what Elon Musk is doing next and hearing more information for the Twitter files. But do we stop a minute and think, who are we trying to convince? You know, is it, or is it just wasted energy? It's just entertainment, pure entertainment for the masses. That's, that's the crux of this thing, friends. Are we ever going to convince the other side? Because if we don't convince more independents and moderates and Democrats, left of center Democrats, of the real trouble here, we're never going to accomplish what needs to be accomplished in our country. And we're never going to be able to heal those wounds. Granted, in, in an overarching fight of good and evil, as often is the case, we're never, never going to convince those that have perpetrated this agenda out there, they have an, an alter, uh, ulterior motive here. You know, they have another agenda, friends. They're never going to be convinced. 
They don't want to be convinced. They're the culprits who put this out there. So while we're running around, are we doing a, a good job to convince these other people of what's really transpiring? You look at some of the media here, and you start to see some of the stories and how they've doubled down. And it is fascinating, and it tells an incredible story. But the one tweet that I brought up on the weekend on Viewpoint this Sunday from Senator Ron Johnson, who was on their broadcast, if you heard that, friends, uh, I thought pretty well got to more cut to the mustard of what I'm talking about right now. And he said, the, the senator said, it wasn't just Twitter that sabotaged the disclosure of Hunter Biden's corruption. It was the Democrats in Congress. It was the FBI leadership. It was the members of the intelligence community. There is a much larger story here than just the Twitter files. Now, the senator captured that in just a simple tweet, right, with with the uh, uh, same amount of characters you, we all get to be able to tell the story. And if you cut right to the mustard, I mean, he nailed it with that tweet right there. It tells you the story. So while we're all running around chasing our tails and doing all of this kind of thing, friends, I think there is a much larger story here. Rather than trying to prove the uh, what's already been proved, really, and to who we are trying to prove, I think is something that should give us all pause. Why waste our energy or breath at this point? We need to start outsmarting the Marxist left friends. And I'll get into some of those cats in just a moment when I get into some of these media reports, which are eye-opening. So welcome in here to the voice of a nation. It is Malcolm out loud here, yours truly. And uh, so today on the broadcast, on the voice of a nation, we're going to have that full interview with Senator Ron Johnson. I promised you uh, uh, at the end of viewpoint there, or in the midst of it, rather, uh, that I said we, we just simply didn't have the time to air all that because we, we really spent a fair amount of time, far more than I anticipated in that conversation. That always happens when you get going on these things. And there are so many pivotal stories the senator's involved in. I didn't want to cut it short. And especially when we had uh, Dr. Paul Alexander and we had attorney Tom Rents on. And I'll tell you more about attorney Tom Rents a little bit later in the program as well with his new show, which, and if you didn't hear Viewpoint, you may not know this, friends, but this program you're listening to now in the Voice of a Nation will indeed come to an end for the six o'clock hour here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This will end next week. I'll tell you more about all that in moments. We'll get back to that. And I want to play that full a segment of the uh, Senator Ron Johnson interview because it's really good. And he he has a lot to share in there with us. And that exchange we have there, cutting out all of the uh, the the stuff you don't need, the you know the prepping and the loose ends and the garbage there, you know the typical stuff there. It's it's a still a solid thirty five minutes that 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 interview. So we we went about forty minutes or so uh, with all of the build up and the, the the hellos and you know all of that stuff. You know, uh, we'll we'll do that in just a moment here. Let me stay on this, and I just want to nail this point down because we're on a big point here. And then the, the senator talks quite a bit about the uh, Twitter files as well and Elon Musk uh, on the broadcast in moments here. Um, so Van Vanity Fair says they have a headline, Elon Musk's Twitter files uh, say a lot more about him than Twitter. Again, keep in mind, the, these uh, these media outlets don't really know where to go to this with this, so they're going to double down. They're never going to admit the truth, which is what I said moments ago. Are we trying to convince who? These people? <laughs> yeah, 
you, you think they're going to run retractions on these stories? I mean, come on, save your breath, people, will you, please? Uh, none of it is going to happen, not in this lifetime. Uh, they go on to say Vanity Fear here, and this was just a few days ago on the 9th. So they said right-wingers. So, you know, it, when you start off a piece, and that's how you start it, friends, right-wingers, you know immediately where they're going. You, you don't even have to say another thing. You just know they're going to call BS, and they're going to start talking fairy tale stuff. You don't even have to say another damn thing. Just start your right-wingers are reveling in the latest batch of Elon Musk's Twitter files, which Republicans continue to dubiously frame as bombshell revelations into the platform's squelching of far-right accounts. But amid all the brouhaha, a simple question remains. What new information has actually emerged from these splashy document dumps? You know, friends, that is so demeaning. They're open and rallying call on this vanity fear. You talk about a piece of garbage. This is no better than the National Enquirer or the National Star or some piece of trash publication, to be sure. Just look at what they put out there. I mean, and what new information? Has, I mean, what, what are we trying to do here? Who are we trying to prove? I mean, why does it even matter? And the problem is... What really matters here is the people who read that publication, who believe it, or I wouldn't even bring it up because it really doesn't matter to most of us. But there are people who read this who really buy into this stuff. They buy into this garbage. And until we solve that problem, we're never going to fix the problem, which is the problem of these left-wingers in the media landscape who propagate their garbage and try to twist every story uh, to a communist agenda to the far left, you know. The Atlantic has another one. Elon Musk's Twitter files are bait. And the Atlantic says, he doesn't actually want transparency on the social media platform. They say the subjectivity of moderation decisions across the social web poses tremendous and complicated problems which is precisely why journalists and academics have paid close attention to it for more than a decade. But there's no secret conspiracy. These claims largely comport with what Twitter has publicly stated about its moderation policies over the last few years. <laughs> Give me a break, right? Since May 2018, Twitter has noted that it will change how a user appears in the site search feature if that user behaves in a way that detracts from healthy public conversation. <laughs> it's a joke. Uh, Twitter has an entire FAQ page dedicated to this type of deamplification, which it says it does based on a combination of algorithms and human decision making, but not via political ideology. Oh, yeah, we, we sell that in a couple of islands in the south to give you and uh, and the whole lot of coal for Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. You know, yeah. And and this is and this is the garbage that the Atlantic wants you to uh to assume is accurate. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, uh, I do not believe that Elon Musk hears about the thorny particulars of content moderation. The Atlantic says by releasing these internal documents selectively, Musk gets to be on the offensive, whipping up a crowd that's eager to cry censorship and shadow banning. That's already been proven. Why does the Atlantic even go there? I mean, doesn't this stuff incense you and drive you crazy? And friends, when we say Twitter, 
Uh, please understand something. We're not talking about just Twitter. It's Facebook. It's Google. It's all of it. It's all of the garbage that is put out there for consumption. Please understand. Twitter is just the tip of the water cooler right now that people are talking about because Musk, you know, dropped 44 billion smackaroos and bought a hornet's nest. But he had to know what he was getting into. So, again, he has a bigger plan down the road, I think. Where, where Musk is going is to create that whole X product. He's he's creating a whole, he's planning for the future. Musk is no dummy with this thing. It's an expensive future, but he's going to recoup his investment many times over. He always does. And so there's a lot more to this Musk story. And right now he's having a little fun by trying to recoup some of his publicity. You kind of can't blame him there, friends, when you're spending 44 billion smackaroos, right? I mean, you got to kind of put it out there in dribs and drabs, Little drips of pee-pee till everybody gets excited, you know, like, hey, you know, let's go see what the Twitter files have today. But we're talking as Senator Ron Johnson says, oh, yeah, this is a much larger story here than just the Twitter files. All right. Now, let's do this. Let's get Senator Johnson on here. Let's run that 35 minutes here. And then on the flip side, we'll get back. I want to give you a major programming note. If you missed a viewpoint and those who haven't, fill you in on what's going to happen here with the Voice of a Nation and tell you about this exciting Tom Wrench show coming to the network here. But let's listen in now to the full interview here of Senator Ron Johnson here. Here you go. Uh, now with us here is uh, Senator Ron Johnson joins us, and uh, Senator Johnson is the ranking member for the Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations. He serves on the Budget, Foreign Relations, and Commerce, Science, and Transportation Committees. And Senator Johnson, uh, first, I think the first thing in order is to give you a, just a tremendous congratulations for a hard-fought race uh, wow, to get to the other side of it. I know there was uh, some moments where the media was reluctant to call it, but uh, I think they uh, had no choice at the end. Congratulations, sir. Well, good morning, Malcolm, and I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I always knew it was a very close race. This is Wisconsin, but but I was hoping and praying that it could be a, a much larger margin. It should have been a much larger margin. In, in a sane world with an unbiased media, I think it probably would have been. Uh, but you know, my, my question kind of after the, the, the 22 election is, I mean, how bad does it have to get uh, before more Americans who tend to vote uh, for liberal candidates recognize that those policies aren't working, uh, that the, those policies uh, enacted by the people that uh, the Democrats that uh, people have elected are, are literally destroying this country. I mean, the, yeah. you've heard, you've heard the, the list of horribles, the 40-year high inflation, the record gas prices. I know they're down now, but yeah. they, they've been purposely designed to, to, to go up higher, to force people into electric vehicles, the, you know, the skyrocketing crime. Um, yeah. you know, all, all of these things, you know, the, the open borders, the flooded deadly drugs, I mean, these things are all the direct result of liberal Democrat policies and and uh, they maintain control in the Senate. Uh, they have the White House, and we have a very thin majority in, yeah. the, in the in the House. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I certainly, yeah, okay, I got reelected, but uh, I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm kind of depressed about uh, the result that we didn't get the majority, and that America didn't send a very strong signal to to the leftists running this country right now that uh, they're they're not satisfied with the path we're on. That's not the signal for this election. So it's. Uh, 
our nation's in peril, Mel. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you something. You you bring I wasn't planning on this, but you bring up an interesting point about the election and the vote. And and just real quickly, um, you know, one of the consistent uh, points I I sense is the early voting versus voting on election day is is a, a constant narrative in well on every all of these elections, including the one we just had on the twenty twenty two midterms, and it will be again. Part of the message I'm hearing is that the Republicans don't have an early vote strategy that the Democrats have certainly monopolized throughout COVID that became a big deal. But now it's becoming uh, part of part of the routine. And so they're saying the Republicans need a good strategy for the early vote to, to turn out that vote. Is that part of is that part of the uh, the challenge moving forward, do you think? It, it is part of it. But, you know, one of the challenges we have is the geographic advantage the Democrats have. I mean, you've seen the map, the county map of the United States. It's basically solid red. Mm-hmm. You look closer and you see these bright blue dots. Yeah. And every every state's pretty much the same way. Wisconsin is. I mean, we've got, you look at our county map and it's pretty much a very red. We have strong majorities in both our state assembly and our state senate. We have six out of eight uh, congressional seats now held by Republicans. And yet, uh, we lost the governorship. We lost most uh, statewide races. Uh, I, I won by a pretty narrow margin uh, because we have to go get our votes from every small little town in Wisconsin. And Democrats just had to concentrate on on Madison hmm. and Milwaukee, wow. a, few, a few very concentrated geographic areas. So you just election mechanic wise, it's a lot easier for Democrats. Yeah, but plus, Malcolm, uh, we're running against Democrats who have no problem lying. Uh, we're running against a media that is in the tank for the Democrat Party that amplifies the lies and the distortions, the character assassination of, of the Democrat Party. Uh, so it's, it's, as I've, I've said repeatedly, it's not a fair fight. It's not a level playing field. So yeah, yeah. we have significant uh, challenges to overcome. Yeah, I, I, I like your point that you bring that up about the urban markets. And it's actually one of the big challenges, I think. And when you look at those blue dots, by the way, on the map, as you say, the challenge is that our great American cities uh, are have been decimated. I mean, in so many ways, economically and crime, and the list goes on and on and on. Too much to get into here. But the point is that these blue dots are some of the worst areas to live in in, in the country, to be sure. Sadly, these are great American cities. And part of the problem, Senator Johnson, is it's very challenging and probably impossible to have a great nation and a great America without great American cities. And our cities are lost. I report on this all the time with uh, large uh, law enforcement institutions and others. And this is a sad state, yet those are the blue dots that are putting the same cats back in office. You're absolutely correct here. Uh, let me change and move it just along here if we can to, I want to start here with uh, Brittany Griner, the release there. This is the American basketball star that's uh, home now. Uh, it was in exchange for this uh, Russian arms dealer, uh, Victor Bout, uh, also called the Merchant of Death. And so it's, um, I guess, the, a couple of things here. Was this the right decision uh, there, there has been blowback. I mean, just let me get to the point. The New York Times had a piece on this blowback over Griner's release exposes depth of America's divisions. And they say post hostage exchanges have sparked criticism, but the response to Brittany Griner's homecoming has been fueled by the politics 
of race, gender, and sexual orientation. Uh, there was a time when the release of American citizens who had been unjustly un imprisoned by a foreign adversary was a moment for bipartisan relief and celebration. And then there's references to this Marine, uh, Paul Whelan, as you know, Whelan, and uh, who's been in prison since 2018 on espionage charges that are uh, false, what have you. But here's the problem, Senator. First of all, the statement from the Times is not really correct. Uh, you can say unjustly, but they have laws against carrying any sort of paraphernalia and drugs in these countries. Uh, and uh, Americans traveling abroad need to realize this, point number one. Point number two, uh, the controversy that a lot of Americans have is this particular individual. I don't think people want to see anybody locked up in a foreign prison, frankly. But this is somebody who's spoken very harshly about the nation. And I think people are a little soft spotted about that versus the, you know, I, I don't know if I put that out there right. But anyways, what's what's our statement on this thing? What do you what do you think here with uh, this move? Well, again, I, I think most Americans are happy that uh, Ms. Griner has been returned, but uh Again, as, as is often the case, the, the full story is not being reported. It sounds, it appears that the U.S. had a choice. Uh, the negotiators had a choice. Uh, Ms. Griner versus uh, Mr. Whelan. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, the fact that they would choose Ms. Griner, I think, raises some questions. Um, I, you know, obviously, I, I don't think we've got particularly skilled negotiators uh, trying to negotiate these releases so it's it's a real shame that uh, you know somebody who served this nation honorably as a marine was left behind in the exchange and and russians got the merchant to death so uh I, you know it's 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 puzzling and again once again the media is i don't think covering this in a, in a very fulsome and completely honest way but again i i appreciate the fact that we got an american home uh, but I, i'm kind of scratching my head on on the negotiation and the, the exchange and and I uh, re really do wonder about the, the truth as to whether or not the administration had a choice and uh, they, they might have picked uh, one person over another. And you, that's a head scratcher as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, I did not know that. Uh, it's mind blown what you share right there, Senator. I, I didn't understand the, the reference point that there might have been a choice or not. That's it just blows my mind, as it would most Americans. Yeah, I don't think any of us wish anybody to be. I, I surely don't in a prison, any American uh, in a foreign country like that for this sort of a charge, which is uh, you know ridiculous to us. But again, they have their own rules in these countries, clearly. Uh, you know, I'm not sure why they didn't do a two for one deal. I mean, they wanted this merchant, <clears throat> this uh, merchant of death out. They wanted him uh, to be, uh, you know, they would. I think we probably could have got both for a while. I think about. I don't know. I don't know. Just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But uh, it seems to me like as you just well, you just said it. We don't have the best negotiators potentially here. So who knows? Uh, let me move it along now to uh, wow, big big story, and I've been anxious to get your take on this. And this is uh, what Elon Musk is uh, exposing over at what's being called the Twitter files. Now, I think we missed the boat on calling these the Twitter files. They really should be called the Twitter DNC files. Uh, that would have been more appropriate for the branding of all of this thing. They really are Twitter DNC files, to be sure. So Twitter and a lot of the cats out there are an extension of the DNC, very clearly. There's this not it's just a factual statement. It's not an opinion. It's just a truth. Uh, you put, I thought, an appropriate tweet out there. And I did a whole show on this. So I'm very familiar with what you're talking about. And you said 
It wasn't just Twitter that sabotaged the disclosure of Hunter Biden's corruption. It was the Democrats in Congress. It was the FBI leadership. It was members of the intelligence community. There is a much larger story here than just the Twitter files. I thought that tweet nailed it. And that's been my big beef here all along. This is massive in size and scope, what we're talking about here. And this really needs to be exposed to the entire American population, Democrats, Republicans and independents for what has transpired here. How do we get this out there? And because too many of these stories, Senator, are pushed under the carpet and they're not put out in the light of day. Uh, th this story is huge. I don't, I don't know that there's a bigger story today, is it? Well, I think it is. And I've been talking about this story for years because I lived it. Uh, it was Senator Grass and I that were investigating Hunter Biden. It's just part of a broader investigation. Uh, we couldn't overlook the conflict of interest and the corruption of, of Biden, Inc., and how that might represent a, a real problem in terms of national security should Joe Biden become president. Of course, now he has become president, and our national security is compromised because of it. But our investigation, uh, which started in 2019, was undermined pretty much from the beginning uh, by leaders of the Democrat uh, uh, elect officials in Congress, uh, Schumer and uh, Mark Warner in the Senate, Pelosi and Adam Schiff in the House, uh, our ranking members, uh, Gary Peters on my committee, and Ron Wyden uh, in the Finance Committee, uh, that they were undermining our, our investigation. We, we, we were briefed in, on August 6, uh, 2020 by the FBI, uh, unsolicited briefing, gave us no new information. It was a setup. I knew it was at the time. Uh, it was later leaked in May of 2021 to smear me. Uh, so the FBI not only impacted the 2016 election and the 2020 election to a far greater extent than anything Russia ever could have hoped to accomplish, but also the U.S. Senate race here in 2022 by smearing me. Um, and so th this is a much, much larger story than just uh, Twitter being uh, impacted by FBI briefers. Uh, the, the FBI was literally laying the foundation to sabotage the Hunter Biden laptop should Mr. McIsaac ever make it public. And of course, they, they first tried to make sure that it would never be made public by pretty well, you know, veiled threat to Mr. McIsaac saying, you know, this is a paraphrase, that, but you know, pe people that don't talk generally don't uh, uh, get in trouble. Um, and so Mr. McIsaac, this isn't widely known, but he offered my committee his computer the day after we issued our report uh, on Hunter Biden in September 2020. Now, uh, you know, because we were being accused of soliciting disseminating rush disinformation, you have to admit that that was kind of an odd story that, you know, this guy in Delaware has, has Hunter Biden's computer. Um, so we did our due diligence. You know, we might have been accepting stolen property. So who do we go to? We went to the FBI and over a number of days of communications, they never told us anything. They just put on, they put on the big stall. And what ended up happening in the interim then is Mr. McIsaac got a little impatient, uh, turned his computer over to uh, Rudy Giuliani's attorney. And they then turned that over to the New York Post. The rest is history. But you have to admit that the FBI's uh, attempts were, were pretty successful. Uh, we didn't glom onto that computer right away. We didn't. We didn't make it public, uh, and so they had an impact. And of course, the 51 intelligence officials that wrote the letter saying that the the computer had all the earmarks of a Russian information operation 
that letter itself was an information operation. People need to understand, again, they need to understand the depth and the number of players that were cooperating in sabotaging the disclosure of the Hunter Biden story in the Hunter Biden laptop. It was Democrat leaders in Congress. It was the FBI. It was intelligence officials. I mean, how extensive is this? So we're, we're seeing one slice of this in terms of the F- FBI's uh, involvement with Twitter, you know, probably Facebook, probably, you know, and we know Facebook because uh, Zuckerberg said the same thing. Yeah. So this is extensive. This is pre, this is a pre-planned sabotage. This wasn't just after the fact. They were laying the groundwork of this for all through 2020, which is pretty eye-opening if you really contemplate the depth yeah. of what they were doing, the, 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 their diversionary operation, so, should the laptop ever become public. And again, the FBI had it in December of 2019. Now, we have a whistleblower saying they were told, do not look at that. My guess is somebody looked at that and they knew what they had to hide. They knew what they had to sabotage. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's lies upon lies upon lies and more lies, and it's widespread. And, you know, the thing that it is, as you connect the dots there, Senator, is they were all in on the gag. They were all in on the gag all the way across the board. But really, it's a reflection. If you go back to before the 2016 election, you remember when Google came out and uh, uh, the uh, and Dorsey came out and many others. They're on video talking about the fact they'll never make the same mistake again in future elections. They made it very clear what their plan was. We're just not really paying attention here. Uh, and by the way, let me tell listeners, the when you talk about Isaac here, to remind everybody, that was John Paul Mank Isaac. That was the uh, gentleman with the uh, the store there, the laptop store. Uh, talk about one of the biggest blunders in American history that should leave a laptop at a place. It just shows you uh, how, how really screwed up this whole affair is. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's unbelievable. And how much of this we would have never known if Elon Musk didn't make the move. It's very fascinating what he's done. He's put himself at great risk and alienated a lot of the people on the left. And from a business sense, and you're a businessman, Senator, you know, the fact that he made the electric cars and Tesla is the big deal, his claim to fame. And one of the big things besides sending rockets up into the sky and everything else he's doing is an amazing man. Uh, it's remarkable that he took a gamble like this. That's a hell of a chance. He reminds me of very fearless and sort of kind of in kind of different ways like Trump. I mean, some of these cats are just you know, just fearless in the way they do it. But he put himself at great risk briefly, don't you think? Well, he certainly put his, his tens of billions of dollars at risk. And so yeah. I view him as a patriot, somebody who actually yeah. believes in free speech. Uh, you know, Democrats say they do. The left says they do, but they're mm-hmm. they're really not. Yeah. They're, they're interested in controlling speech and controlling the narrative, which they have a huge control over. But, but Malcolm, let, let's expand this a little bit. So you saw the coordinated effort by all these players to just suppress the information of the Hunter Biden laptop so that Joe Biden could get elected mm-hmm. president. Now, fast forward to the suppression and censorship of information regarding COVID in our entirely failed response to, to the pandemic. Uh, the, the, the suppression, the sabotage of early treatment of, of these widely available, cheap, generic drugs that work, that could have saved hundreds of thousands of lives. The, you know, the, the players, some of them are the same players, certainly the Biden administration. You have now 
elements in the federal health health agencies who sabotaged early treatment because they wanted a vaccine. And now they're suppressing, mm-hmm. you know, exactly what the vaccine mm-hmm. is, what's in it, how it works, how it could possibly cause mm-hmm. these injuries. They're suppressing and censoring the extent of the vaccine injuries. Yeah. So if, 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 the, if the apparatus, if, if the deep state would go to such lengths just to protect Hunter Biden, just understand the links, the mainstream media, the social media giants, the people in the agencies, in the Biden administration, in the, in the left, what they will do to suppress and censor their wrongdoing, what, what they've done to sabotage uh, drugs that could have saved hundreds of thousands of lives. The, 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 they will suppress the information regarding vaccine injuries that they push the vaccines on the American public. So they're going to go to a far greater effort to suppress and censor that information, um, which is why I held my event last week to try and get some of this information out. But you know, my, yeah. my event last week should be big national news, right. and you know, except for alternate sites, it's it's also. Well, let, let me tell folks about that now. In fact, yeah, I mean, you bring up a valid point right there. Uh, it, you, what what at what lengths will they go? Well, we already know what lengths they're going to go, and. Like you say, when it comes to their own skin, I mean, the you know, it'll just continue to uh, uh, escalate here, uh, the, the deceit and the destruction, basically. So you uh, have, have done a, a, a really an outstanding job in trying to bring uh, health freedom back to Americans after this uh, COVID um, a fiasco here. And uh, you have you had a vaccine roundtable, a COVID vaccine roundtable. You had really a amazing group of people there, to be sure. Many of our own on America Out Loud were there as part of, in fact, even Dr. Paul Alexander, who will be on today, was a part of that. And Dr. Harvey Risk will also be uh, somebody we're working with on the program here. And of course, Dr. Peter McCullough, and on and on and on. Uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, let me finish that name there a moment. I want to cut my brother out of that. But uh, so you had an amazing panel and um, and and group there. Uh, obviously, we can't go too deep into it here. But one of the things I seen was Dr. Uh, Renata Moon, who said uh, uh, other nations have banned the COVID-19 vaccines because they're too dangerous for the kids, the children. You know, why does the mainstream media not talk about this? We are being asked to inject this product into our nation's kids who have essentially a zero percent risk of harm. Boy, that's a true statement if I've ever heard when I've studied this thing upside down backwards. Um, what was the big takeaway from this uh, roundtable? What's the big message to Americans? Sure, we'll just set the, the plate on this thing. In January earlier this year, you know, about 11 months ago, I held the COVID-19 a Second Opinion panel. That was a five-hour yeah. panel. About four and a half million people viewed that on our, on our Rumble page. Uh, but that was organized around the four pillars of the pandemic that Dr. McCulloch laid out in his testimony before my committee in November of 2020. And the four pillars are, you know, limit the spread, then early at-home treatment, then hospital treatment, then finally vaccines. Well, in the five hours, we we barely scratched the surface and never really got to talk about the vaccine. So, you know, I designed this panel to talk about the vaccine. So the the title of this thing was the COVID-19 vaccine, what it is, how it works, and how it could possibly cause injury. And that's that's really what we focused on. You know, the takeaway is it's it's really not a vaccine, it's it's genetic therapy. Um, the you know, we talked about Dr. Moon. I think one of her greatest moments is she talked, she pulled out a, a normal insert into a vaccine or a piece of or any kind of pharmaceutical product. And it's a you know, big old piece of paper. It's all got you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of words on the thing. Then she pulled out a, a, a 
the insert in, in box of vaccines or the vaccine package, and it's completely blank except for the wording said intentionally left blank. So it's big old massive piece of paper, no information on it at all. Yeah, I seen the clip on that, by the way, and I seen your face and your impression. It was quite dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. So so again, the, the main takeaway is the American mm-hmm. public not been informed yeah. over what these vaccines are, uh, how they actually work and how they could possibly cause injury. That we're certainly not being told about the extensiveness of the vaccine injuries. This is, you know, collectively, there's a massive state of denial. Uh, people are deluding themselves. And, you know, so e- even this thing, I mean, for, you know, again, is as focused and I think as excellent as this three-hour panel was, barely scratched the surface. There's just so much more information that needs to be you know, given to the American public, but there's still so much we don't know and so much of this, Malcolm, is willful ignorance on the part of regulators. We, we had uh, an extraordinary new face, Dr. David Gortler, who uh, was a senior advisor to the FDA commissioner in his previous life. And he is just shocked. I think one of his points, you know, 20,000 people work at the FDA. Why is he the only one coming forward and asking these questions? That's a good question right there. So the, the, this three-hour panel is available on Rumble. I think it's over got over half a million views already okay. uh, i just looked at the 33 minute uh, we'll call it a highlight reel right. if people don't have three hours they can look at that that's also going to be available if it's not already available on rumble but right. i'm asking people share this spread th- spread this information wide because the mainstream media is not going to be looking at it so it's going to be up to us we the people to right. inform our family members our neighbors our fellow citizens of what our federal health agencies are not Informing the COVID cartel, the, the administration, federal agencies, the big pharma, media's big social, the big tech social media giants, they're not providing this information. So it's got to be up to us. So yeah. please go on Rumble, view this, share the either the condensed yeah. version or the full three hour panel. And by the way, go back to uh, look at uh, our second opinion panel from January this year, too. This is vital information. The American people deserve to hear. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death. And, you know, as I've stated many times to listeners, if uh, if our federal government had given everybody a cheap bottle of nasal hygiene at the top of the uh, pandemic, uh, we would have saved, uh, oh, my dear, countless lives and never needed the vaccine deal or even vitamin D. Maybe just some cheap bottle of vitamin D and nasal hygiene, we would have cleaned house. I mean, we've saved so many beautiful people that we've lost from this uh, horrible experience. Tell you what, Senator, I'm going to uh, not only put the links of those uh, presentations in the um, notes here when this does go to podcast later Sunday afternoon, but I'm also going to do a separate post on America Out Loud to push this out because... I did see the full five-hour thing up front early in the year. That was magnificent, and uh, we'll get this out as well to assist with, uh, as you say, getting it out to we the people. Now, in a, another thing here, the military. I want to talk to you about real uh, briefly about this uh, bill to rescind the um, the vaccine mandates for members of the U.S. military. This has been a very hot item. Uh, Dr. Elizabeth Lee Fleet has been all over this on our platform, on her show, on the whistleblower report here at America Out Loud, and with a lot of heads of uh, key military folks. Uh, so this was to provide nearly an $858 billion for national defense uh, bill that passed the House on Thursday. And now it goes to the, that was 350 to 80, by the way, that it passed. 
Uh, is it expected to uh, get, get to the Senate this week? Uh, you expect the Senate, I assume, to pass this? And uh, the, does the president sign off on this? Does this become uh, your opinion? Or Yeah, this, this is the National Defense Authorization Act. It's uh, passed every year for, I think, the last 62 years. It's generally viewed as a must-pass piece of legislation. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm proud to be part of a smaller group of senators that uh, two weeks ago uh, got people, our conference, to sign a letter saying we would hold up this bill uh, if it did not repeal those vaccine yeah. mandates. Yeah. I mean, nobody, nobody should be compelled to take any treatment, quite honestly. That's part of the, you know, that, that's just basic medical ethics. You know, you should not be forced, coerced, pressured to take any medical treatment, including this vaccine, and particularly one that do everything we could to prevent this thing from being uh, even considered on the floor if it did not repeal the vaccine mandate. So we're very, very pleased that uh, at least that's in it. Now, I would have added uh, full reinstatement with back pay for military members. I would have also included an end to the medical, the, the national emergency on this pandemic. Uh, we are no longer in a state of emergency. We probably never should have been in one. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, we'll, we'll take what, uh, right, what right. we're able to. So the back this. pay and that sort of thing, that didn't get in there. That, because that's been addressed to me. That's been bought up. What about all those people? What about, you know, all of that? So, but the negotiation of removing the mandate was vitally important at this point. So I, I see what you mean. But there's still more work to do there is what you're saying, right? Yeah, m much more work. And again, that's one of the reasons people have to view, you know, my three-hour events so they they're armed with the information to yeah. so we can have the public pressure to do more yeah yeah well good work that you stood behind that and demanded that to be removed because our military uh, brothers and sisters have been through uh through hell uh with a lot of them that have been coerced and uh really terrible things have happened to so many uh want to just touch briefly uh it's a big story but there's a uh, special counsel jack smith the conflict there uh, this is a pretty heavily charged deal. Uh, there, obviously, we know what's happening. We, we don't have to, I mean, share the obvious here. We know there's a full court press to remove Trump from the, uh, uh, the, the, any election uh, moving forward. That was the whole basis of the committee thing anyways, was about that. Every American knows that. It's not a secret. Uh, but this family now, his wife, uh, has donated thousands of dollars to Biden's campaign, her company, Big Mouth Productions, uh, that was a big factor in there. A uh, lot of big Democrat leaders. She also was heavily, she was the producer of Michelle Obama's documentary, Becoming. Uh, this is a big family of uh, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I use the word Marxist, but Democrats, I guess, you know. Uh, what do you say to that with this appointment? Why isn't there more of a uh, uproar about this? Well, because once again, the mainstream media, uh, they're part of the left. And so uh, they have no problem with the brazen partisanship uh, across this administration in, in every in every venue. You know, whether it's uh, how they're dealing with the people from January 6th, how they deal with the, the former president, how they're dealing with the vaccines and vaccine mandates and, you know, all, all the medical freedoms that, that we've been lost during the pandemic. Uh, so, it, it, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't surprise me that uh, there, there isn't uh, uh, an outcry that uh, such a somebody who has all kinds of apparent apparent conflict of interest uh, from partisan nature nature would be appointed special counsel i mean this is it's just it's just ongoing it's all part and parcel of the same process here uh, as i said malcolm it's not a fair fight it's not a level playing field 
Yeah, that's going to be quite interesting ahead as we uh, begin to now get ready uh, for uh, 2024. Hard to believe we're saying that, Senator, but we are indeed. Uh, that's what will happen next as that all get, comes to the light here of uh, the candidates, you know. Uh, what do you think of this FTX story, Sam bankman fried Now, he's uh, scheduled to testify before Congress this week. And uh, wow, this is another significant story. But this has uh, now he has heavy roots in a lot of political figures, both on the left and the right. Heavy, heavy, heavy left. Uh, Well, 90 percent. I think I don't have it in front of me, but I think it's and you probably know more than I about it. But I think it's 90 percent tilted more towards those on the uh, far left. But he was a. Quite an interesting guy. His mother is heavily invested in the Democrat Party again. Uh, what's happened there is unbelievable. Um, what, what do you, what's, your, what's the footnote on this? What do you make of this story? I guess what puzzles me most about this is where are the criminal investigations into what happened here? Yeah. Um, you know, I guess maybe it'd just be horrific and horrible business management. But when you're talking about uh, just the loss of billions of dollars, and I don't know how many people were, were you know, uh, experienced the loss as, as part of those billions being lost, you would think some investigators would be looking into this. Um, I haven't really heard of anything. I mean, I, you know, it, it amazed I mean, again, because he's of the left, I guess he can just, you know, assume that he his whatever his actions that he took were done with impunity, and he doesn't have to worry about uh, being held accountable. Uh, so I, I, it just amazes me. I mean, I, I think he, you know, these are all offshore businesses. You'd think he would remain offshore, but I guess he he, he must feel he has uh, protection inside uh, uh, the, the, the halls of power here. So I, yeah. it baffles me. I, if, if I were him, I wouldn't be showing my face. I mean, my God, I mean, uh, how, how many people's uh, life savings were wiped out by, yeah, yeah. by what, what happened? And, and he'd be responsible for it. I mean, he, he was guy, he was guy around the company. Right. But his statements he made are just, you know, like he, he didn't know what happened to a couple billion dollars that got mm-hmm. transferred from one business to another. It's like, wow. Um, I guess maybe before he leaves the hall there, they'll have a set of handcuffs available potentially. I don't know. But as you say, why is he even doing it? What, what What's the bottom? What any idea what becomes of this story? I mean, you're I think you're not really saying it, but I think the suggestion may be that he escapes harm here. Is that is that really a viable possibility in this story? Well, Democrats in power, I think, is very viable because this wow. all seems to have a great deal of connections to you know, Democratic power brokers. Uh, again, I, I find the whole the whole issue puzzling. Uh, I, I don't personally invest in cryptocurrency because it yeah. just seems to be it intrigues me, by the way. You know, the, the benefit of cryptocurrency is there's just no government regulation <laughs> on it. So that's the benefit. The problem with cryptocurrency yeah. is there's no regulation over it. So yeah. Yeah. I am uh, yeah. again, I'm intrigued by it, but. Uh, yeah. I, I would proceed with a great deal of caution. Yeah. Uh, we, we've seen too many of these things blow up and, and hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, just to disappear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's one of those stories, Senator, that be careful what you wish for, right? <laughs> this uh, crypto story is uh, off the charts, man. Well, let me end it here, uh, Senator, and say this. So I said a statement up front. These are the words of uh, Attorney Tom Rents, who you know, who's done remarkable w- work and who has... Uh, uh, rose to prominence uh, through his legal work uh, in a lot of the um, COVID stuff in the last several years, but he's he's well versed. It's a really solid man, attorney, and uh, 
And so he makes a statement that, uh, you know, and we're going to be talking to him a little bit later in the program today and have some big breaking news on that. And as well, we'll be sharing with folks. But he says, as Americans, we all need to recognize the fact that our failure to exercise diligence has resulted in the loss of our country. This show is not about saving our nation. Much of it has already been lost. It is about earning back the freedom we were meant to preserve. What's your reaction to that statement? Well, I, I fear it's true. Uh, I sense it is, yeah. um, but no matter how how true it is, I guess my message to your audience is none of us can give up. Uh, th- this nation, our freedoms are something so rare and so precious in the span of human history. And, and of course, our, our Declaration of Independence, it has the probably most marvelous vision statement for self-governance. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that we are endowed by our creator. And let's just think about that. I mean, it's these, these are gifts given to us by our creator, uh, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Uh, we need to do everything we can as individual citizens to preserve these precious gifts. So I guess my message to your audience in, in this, this season now where we celebrate the birth of our Savior, um, I just hope everybody in your audience can find peace in, that, in their beliefs and their faith. Uh, in what we have here and just ask them do everything they can to help fight for freedom, to help us all preserve what has been given to us by our God and by our creator. So God bless all of you. Have a very Merry Christmas. Okay. Now you see why I wanted to play that full interview with uh, Senator Ron Johnson. Uh, It was worth hearing all of it. Uh, We covered a lot in there, including the FTX, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, uh, the Justice Department, the politicization there, Jack Smith, the special counsel, all of that. So it, it was worthy uh, to play that full uh, program so you could hear it all. It's it's hard to do that on Viewpoint, uh, you know, since it's a fast-moving news magazine the way that it is. Okay, let me take the time now to explain to you what's happening here. Um, if you listen to Viewpoint this Sunday on the weekend, or weekend news magazine, and by the way, that is on podcast. That full program, if you want to hear Dr. Paul Alexander and Tom Rents, those interviews, you'll see it right on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com or just go to the nav bar menu under shows and go down to Viewpoint this Sunday. And you go right to this week here in December and you'll be able to listen to the full broadcast. Now, we made an announcement on that show as well with attorney Tom Rents, who has really done some tremendous work in our nation over these last few years uh, with covid and uh, really standing up for freedom and liberty. And uh, Tom is one of the best communicators, I believe, and orators out there. And we are truly excited to be bringing him to America Out Loud talk radio and to our platform here. Uh, Tom uh, will launch the Tom Rents show right in this space. That's correct. I'm going to step out of here now. And at six o'clock, uh, every day here, uh, Monday through Friday now, when I say every day, weekdays, okay, uh, he will be the host here on the Tom Rent Show starting Wednesday, December 21st at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We will launch the broadcast and uh, truly excited about this uh, with Tom. He brings a whole level of depth uh, and experience to the network and the platform. So we are blessed uh, to be sure. Now, Uh, This was a big decision, not one to take lightly, uh, for sure. I've been looking and working on this decision actually for a couple of months uh, prior to making it public here uh, with Tom Rents. Uh, Now, 
the voice of a nation will continue on in some fashion, and I'll be making that announcement in January, uh, but it will not be in the six o'clock time frame. Um, I just really needed to get uh, Tom Brents in there and really want to get him properly launched. And that that's really what matters right now. I don't want to take from what Tom is going to do. And I want you to help me uh, get this show known, let people know, because he, he, you're going to like this a lot. You're going to like this program a lot. Tom is just a really sensible guy. He brings a lot. He knows he knows a lot, and he's going to bring a lot to the conversation uh, for us at the water cooler here in America. So I'm really, really digging this and looking forward to Tom on the network here. Uh, we'll get back to you more in January. We've got a lot of new programs coming up on the platform, a lot of new things happening as we now move into 2023. We continue to raise the bar, my fellow Americans, and that will never uh, that will never cease here as we continue to want to do our very best for our nation, for our people, you know. Um, now, Tom, here's here's something I want to share with you. Uh, he says, um, which I think is really going to be the sweet uh, spot of his program. And it's so important we all take from this now. And uh, as I shared with everybody on the weekend, he said, as Americans, we all need to recognize the fact that our failure to exercise diligence has resulted in the loss of our country. This show is not about saving our nation. Much of it has already been lost. It is about earning back the freedom we were meant to preserve. And that is uh, the message from Tom Rents there. So if you think about what he's saying there, it's so important, so vitally important right now in our country. We do have to recognize and come to a reckoning in our own minds that there's been a lot of damage in the past many, many years uh, in our nation. You know, you dial it all the way back to Watergate with what's going on right now compared to the Nixon years. Well, Watergate and the Nixon years pale. They are not even on the radar compared to what's taking place right now. And with that, we had a president uh, resign from office, uh, which, you know, as we know, history shows blew up. And a lot of people would suggest blew up over uh, something that would be nothing. And by today's standards, you look at this Hunter Biden, New York Post uh, laptop story. You look at the wide uh, systematic uh, conspiracy plan between our oligarchs and multimedia, mainstream media, social media, and all that's transpired. You look at all of that. You look at what's happened with the Justice Department and the FBI and that whole realm there, and then tied to the executive branch and Congress and all of that with Biden and the foreign, uh, the the uh, foreign uh, business that he has done. And you begin to tie all of that package together, friends, and uh, it's a pretty wicked agenda to be sure, and it far surpasses anything of that Richard Nixon. In fact, if he's alive today, if he was, he'd be saying, well, what's the problem? <laughs> All right, so we did a little, you know, that's nothing by today's standards. I mean, what these people do, look what they did with the the dossier, look what they did with Trump and the spying and the Trump. I mean, come on, people. I mean, it's massive in size and scope, massive. And then everybody wants to ask the question, well, why is Trump a little sore? <laughs> Have that happen to you in your life on your watch and see how you feel about it. Yeah, I'd be a little sore. I'd be just a little ripping pissed, uh, to be frank with you, you know. So, yeah, I get it. I totally, totally get it. You have to respect that. 
uh, what's transpired here, what's taken place. So, so I think what Tom Renz puts out there is vitally important. A, a good part of our nation has been lost. The innocence of America is long gone, my friends. It's long gone. And now the job is what exactly what Renz says. How do we earn back the freedom we were meant to preserve? How do we do that? Isn't that the question we need to be asking at this point? It is. It absolutely is. That's what's going to transpire in this space now, next week, as we wind down the voice of the nation at the 6 p.m. time slot on America Out Loud Talk Radio and bring in the Tom Wrench show. And I will be his number one fan, I will tell you. I'm really looking forward to Tom taking the reins and doing some awesome stuff. And that's what we need. We need strong voices. And that's what I'm committed to here, friends. I'm committed more than anything else. Please understand from my perspective, it is my goal to put the network first, to put the platform first, to put the mission of America first. I put all of that in front of my own personal agenda and in front of my own soapbox or my own show or my own whatever. I put all of that in front of it. This platform and network is far more important than me. The mission of all of this is far more important than me and our nation as a whole, by golly is far more important than me. That's where we sit right now in our nation. So we have a job to do. We gotta roll our sleeves up as a people and we gotta fight forward. Now listen, I'm open-minded. If you have some ideas or thoughts, let me know. You can email us here at liberty at americaoutloud.com, okay? And be happy to entertain that and always excited for you to be on the mission here, friends. Uh, Thank you for listening here. I'm the voice of a nation. It's time to get involved and get loud, America.